Welcome to Bovine Banner with the Penn State Extension Dairy Team. My name is Amber Yitze and I'm a dairy educator based in Huntington County. Joining us today is John Vanderstappen. Thank you for your time, John. Could you ta please You're take welcome. a minute and introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your operation? We're located in Mercer County, Pennsylvania, in Western Pennsylvania. We're milking 300 registered jerseys and we keep about 50 dry cows and 400 head of young stock. It's myself, my wife, and my son. Uh, my son's 30, and we have about five part-time milkers, and then we have two other guys that work for us besides that. And uh, besides pasturing, we, we raise corn silage and we have hay and uh, a little bit of spelt. That's pretty much the, the general story. I'm sure all of our listeners are really excited to learn more about your operation as we talk here and uh, learn a little bit about more what you do there in Northwest PA. So when and why did you decide to start grazing? All right, we started grazing probably 40 years ago. We just always did a little bit and just always liked it and it just worked out and we've kind of got more into it as time went on. And in the beginning, I didn't own any equipment, and all I did was graze the cows, and I bought my feed. Grazing worked really well then for me then because I didn't have much investment. That's how kind of we got started. Great. So tell us a little bit about your grazing program. I know there's a lot that goes into grazing, and it just is not as popular in Pennsylvania as confinement housing. So a lot of people are really interested in how it works for a farm that does it successfully. How much time per day does the cow graze? And then also considering you have a shorter growing period in your area compared to others, even in the state of Pennsylvania. So how many months of the year do the cows get to graze successfully? We, uh, we basically start grazing uh, the 1st of May. It varies a little bit with the weather. And when we start, we've played with this a lot of different ways, but we start with just three or four hours a day. We'll, we'll turn it out at nine o'clock in the morning at, right after chores and go to one. And we'll just stick with that for uh, the first two or three weeks. We found that if we give them the whole day, we have trouble with sunburn tits, chapped teats, other little problems. They just, big change in their diet seems to be too much. And we lose a lot of milk. We don't lose any milk when we do it this way. We're only replacing about 30% of their feed. Because we also feed TMR the rest of the time. So this goes on till, till from the 1st of May until toward the end of May, then then we'll uh, we'll continue to get more hours. We'll pick them up to maybe uh, 2 in the afternoon from 9 to 2. And then then as soon as it starts to get hot, we start to notice the cows, they don't want to go out as bad. We'll switch them to out at night. So after chores at night, we'll, we'll, we'll turn them out between 7 and 8 o'clock at night, and then they'll stay out till 5 a.m., and by then, they're already pretty much transitioned to uh, to grass and the TMR. Now, they'll stay in all day during the summer and in the flies. Uh, we have well-ventilated freestall barn, and they, uh, they'll, they'd rather be in there than they would be outside. Plus, we don't have, as our herd size grew, we didn't have the acreage to keep them out morning and night. So originally, we could, we could uh, keep them out all night and then turn them out till noon but we don't have enough acreage anymore. Probably got 140 acres of pasture, and we've got 300 cows on milk, and then we're probably another 130, 140 heifers. So we just don't have enough enough acres we can get to. 
the summer program goes, they're always out at night. And then about the middle of uh, September, the cows will be turned out. We'll switch them back to daytime. We'll turn them out at 9 o'clock in the morning, and they'll stay out till 4 in the afternoon. Then we bring them back in at 4 to milk. They don't go out at night at all then. The other reason is we have to cross the road to get groups out. And it works. It's a lot of work crossing the road because we have three or four groups of cows that go out to pasture in separate fields. And it takes about a half an hour to turn them out and about a half hour to bring them in. So that's basically our program. So, And I'm sure crossing the road at night is probably a little easier than crossing it during the day. The morning isn't bad. At 5 a.m. there's not much traffic. Yeah, so that's that that's 4 o'clock in the bad. afternoon period. It's probably a little Before, tougher sometimes. When we bring them in at night to milk at 4 o'clock, it's in the school bus traffic and there's a lot of traffic. But most mm-hmm. people are pretty good. They kind of know what we do it and they kind of get used to it and they either they avoid us or uh, they just wait. And that's, <laughs> a lot of people wait and just to watch. They just want to see it. So. so how many, you talked about having three groups that go out to pasture. How many paddocks yeah. do you have? Well, we probably have a total of 45 paddocks right now uh, because we're on kind of a modified grazing system and the cows are grouped in the barn. We can't put all the cows in one group because we don't have a big enough holding area in our parlor. So that's why we have three groups of cows. The cows basically go to a different different paddock every day or every other day. It depends upon how big the paddock is and how big the group is. We try to rotate them like every day or every other day. And the cows do not like to go in the same paddock more than... They'd rather go every day. Twice they'll do, but the third day they'll just stand there and look at you. They don't want to go in. And you mentioned the paddocks are different sizes. On average, how big is each paddock? Yeah. Most of our pastures are two-acre paddocks. I would say out of the 40, there are probably 30 of them are two acres. But then I have a bunch of that are further away and, and didn't work well to split them up. There's about 10 that are five acres. And those paddocks, uh, we generally send the bigger groups of cows to those paddocks. And uh, they're further away, too. So what breed of cow do you milk, and have you found that certain breeds work better with the grazing system compared to others? Well, right now, all we milk is Jerseys, uh, but we did have at one time Ayrshires and some Brown Swiss. Uh, all the breeds seem to work pretty well. Uh, Jerseys may be a little better, but really good luck with the Ayrshires, too. They did real well on it, and uh, Brown Swiss, they all did fine. Uh, they just get used to it, I guess. It's just kind of whatever breed you like the best, I think, it works out. The jerseys will take the heat better. Like if it's a hot day, they'll they'll stay out grazing longer. But like I say, we're a modified system, so we don't really leave them out in the hot part of the day anymore. So they're kind of spoiled. Yeah, I'm sure they appreciate that, these 90-degree days. Yeah, they don't. Well, if it gets to be 90 degrees, they'll all be standing at the gate waiting to come in. <laughs> So having so many paddocks, I'm sure water is a challenge for you. How are you getting water to all the different paddocks each day? All the the water lines are buried about 18 inches, and it's all one-inch water line. It's all pressurized off the off the main farm, off a, off a well. Uh, they go up to a half a mile away. It's enough water. It's not any extra water. Between two paddocks, there's a tank, and most of the tanks are 150 gallons. 
it's enough, but it would be nice to have the 300-gallon tanks, but they've all gone bad, and we've only had the 150-gallon tanks left, and they seem to be enough, but they're nothing extra. If you get a big group of cows and it's a hot day, they wouldn't be enough, but they're never out during the hot part of the day. At night, it seems to be plenty. And uh, we have pretty decent water pressure to most of them. So. And if, but if it's really hot and you would run out of water, they would knock the tank over. So you know pretty soon you don't have enough water tank. I'm sure they make you well aware if the water's running low. So in the Northwest Pennsylvania, the growing seasons are different. Like I had said, have you found different types of forages that work better for you compared to others? Yeah, most of our pastures were kind of a mix. They were originally hay fields. We kind of pretty much settled on we have to use orchard grass because in the summertime, it's the only grass that keeps growing good. We have had uh, rye grass is great in the spring and the fall, but in the summer it just it quits growing. The, basically, all the pastures are based around orchard grass, and there's also you know, there's bluegrass in there, a little festolium, a little bit of rye grass in some of them and then Ladina clover. And here in central Pennsylvania, orchard grass continues to grow even when it's 90 degrees and everything else is a little stunted. So I can see that being the same. Yeah, well, that's basically why we have to use it. And it also seems to take the drier weather a little better than the other ones do. Have you had to make any special accommodations because your cows are getting such additional exercise traveling from the barn into those farther paddocks compared to cows that stay in confinement? Well, the only thing we really do different for the cows is the old cows have trouble doing the long walk, especially if they have large udders. We have a group of old cows, and they go to the closer paddocks. And the young cows, they didn't do a lot of the walking. There's a long walk. They're the ones that go in the long walk. But the old cows, we don't, don't make them do the long walk if we can help it. And I think the nutritionist, he does figure a little bit in for energy usage on, on it. But I don't know how much, really. But yeah, that's the only thing basically is we kind of, we make sure that the old cows don't have to do the real far walk. How often do you have to trim feet? Is it more often or less often compared to confinement? I would say it's less often during the summer. Some of it is just when the trimmer catching up from what happened in the winter. But yeah, we, we trim less cows in the summer and more cows in the winter. And we have less foot problems. We still have warts and other foot issues. You can get sore feet just hitting, walking on stones, so you got to have good lanes. We really didn't talk about it, but all our pastures have a, we put lanes in 20 years ago to the different pastures, and that's pretty important to get a, a nice lane they can walk on. It's got to be so it's not muddy, and it's, it's got to be smooth and not stones sticking up, and uh, we spent a lot of money putting in lanes, and actually we had government help put in the lanes. The NRS, I think, helped us put in all the lanes. So when you're evaluating your forages and your pastures, and I'm sure as fall goes on, you evaluate them a little closer, but do you use any kind of tool such as a pasture stick or a falling plate meter to measure the forages and then calculate the forage allowance for each pasture? Well, honestly, we we don't use anything. I just look at it and kind of can tell. Because we're not solely based on pasture, you know, they're making up the difference in the barn. You can kind of tell when you put them in a really good pasture, they don't want to eat as much. So you have to keep, it's constantly adjusting how much you feed in the barn. Because basically we feed anywhere from, we try to keep a base of corn silage in the ration. And the minimum we feed is probably 30 pounds of corn silage. But if, if the pasture is, 
is poor, we might get up to 45 pounds of corn silage. Just depends on what they want to eat. So it's kind of a it's a floating program, anyways. But I just look at it. You kind of get after you do it a while. You kind of know how much they're going to eat. It kind of but it does vary a lot. I'm sure it would be better to have a a rising and falling plate meter, but we don't have. And I'm sure, like you said, as you do it over time, just having that sense of where your cows are and knowing your cows, it does get a lot easier to to gauge what your cows are doing and what they need. So what have you found to be the biggest advantage to grazing? Well, for us, you know, I think it's cow health. The mobility of the cow, you know, we've, and they've been in all winter on cement. The cows just don't move good, but once you have them out, you know, and we only start out a few hours a day, so they get kind of used to it. And by the end of the summer, they're all, most all of them are walking good. We had a lot of trouble, you know, the in the freestyle, you get more mobility problems and because they get the exercise outside, they seem to they do better that way, and, and it also helps trim their feet. That's probably the main thing we notice. So on the flip side, what have you found to be the biggest challenges to grazing? Well, probably for us, we have to cross roads, and it takes extra time. We can't hardly do it with one person. You have to have two people. You have to run the group to the road, and then you cross them and chase them across. So. That's time-consuming. If you didn't have to go across the road, it would save a whole bunch of time, probably an hour a day. That's probably the biggest challenge we have, but we just where we're located, it didn't work out any other way. The rest of the day didn't make any difference. So if somebody was thinking about getting into grazing, um, what's one thing that you think they should know that they might not think about? So think back to when you first started and something you've learned along the way that you didn't really think about before. You know, if you're if you're going to start grazing, you have to look at your ground first, and you have to have laneways. And then dry ground is kind of important because if you have really wet ground, you can't graze every day in the summer because you can't get the cows on it because they'll just tramp it up. In the beginning, we didn't have any tile in our pastures, and there'd be times if we had a rainy spring, we'd have to pull the cows off out of the month of May half the days because we just couldn't get them out there because they would tramp it up. But now we've tiled all our pastures and we have lanes. Uh, we might get one or two days we'd pull the cows off because it was wet. But we don't do that anymore because our ground is reasonably dry. I mean, you can do it on wet ground, but it's a lot more challenging. You have to really pay attention to which paddocks you turn the cows out so you don't tramp them up too much. And wet ground, it's just like everything else. Wet ground doesn't grow as good as grass as dry ground. Yeah, so it's just being pasture management. It sounds like being aware of what your pastures are and managing your pastures well can really help you be successful. So if you could pinpoint one grazing practice that made the biggest difference on your farm, what would it be? I think when we tiled our ground, it made it a lot easier because we could turn out whenever we wanted and the ground wasn't wet. Uh, That was probably, it was expensive, but it was worth it. You wouldn't think that tiling pasture ground would be worth it, but in our part of the state, we have heavy ground, it's clay, and when it gets wet, it stays wet. It's hard to dry out. With tile, it makes a huge difference. And we, I don't, we didn't mention before, but we also fertilize the pastures. We, uh, we usually use mainly urea. Probably two or three times a season, we'll put urea on uh, anywhere from. 50 to 70 pounds of actual N two or three times to keep the grass growing. Uh, and we make sure the lime is up in all of the fields, keep them limed up. You know, we've tried getting away without urea, but we just don't get enough grass. Urea makes quite a difference. You know, you can 
pretty much double your grass with urea. So. And you might have mentioned this and I just missed it. So we'll reiterate it for our, our listeners. I assume you also grow corn as well? Yes. Yeah. How many acres of corn do you typically harvest a year to make it on this hybrid model of grazing? Well, we're milking 300 cows. We generally put out 200, 270 acres of corn. It takes about 150 for the corn silage. And then the other is for the, you know, for the shell corn. We either grind dry shell or we have some high moisture. Yeah, the base of our ration in the wintertime from November through the 1st of May is corn silage. Now we have some haylage in it, but uh, it's the majority of our ration is corn silage. And I really like corn silage because it keeps the flesh on the cows. And uh, it's just easy. It's easy. And being able to feed some corn silage or some TMR in the barn during the summer is probably helping you keep your milk production up compared to just being 100% grazing as well. We have been running between 55 and 60 pounds a day on jerseys year-round pretty much. But yeah, if we would pull the corn silage out and just go on grass, we would not be able to do that. We, well, At least I haven't figured out how. We'd probably drop at least 5 to 8 pounds a day. And for us, it just works better. I'm sure there's people that have done it with just grass and grain, but we, we just never had as good a luck without that. And because we don't have enough acres of pasture anyways, we had to do something else. We don't have, if you were centrally located in the middle of a 500-acre field, you can get the cows to enough grass, but the way we're located going across roads, we can't get them to enough grass to, to make it work. So when you were looking at starting this grazing journey, did you utilize any helps or mentors within the industry extension just to help you learn more and improve your grazing operation? Yeah, we, we've gone to different uh, like grazing programs that uh, extensions had, but we also, uh, I read a lot, and then the, the magazine called Graze, uh, we get that, and that's really a good magazine for somebody that's grazing dairy cows. Uh, it, uh, it has a lot of interesting things, and they, different people tell you how they're, how they graze their cows, and everybody's different. It's not like there's any plan that you have to follow. <laughs> it's just everybody's different. It works. It depends on your your farm and how many cows you're milking and what works for you. All plays into it. So. So then, if a producer's starting out and really thinking about going to this intensive grazing model, what's one piece of advice that you would share with them? A good question. If you have the land available and it's close. I just go ahead and start and try it and not worry too much about it because you're not spending a lot of money on capital expenses. We use a single-strand high-tensile fence for our perimeters and the main fields, and if you need to divide them up more, we just use a white tape, and that works good. You don't have to spend a lot. You don't have to have everything in the beginning, and it seems to work, and you just try it, and you just go from there, I guess. Lanes are important, but not totally. You don't have to have them on a smaller herd because you don't tramp the fields up as bad. When you start moving 150 cows, you can tramp the field up really fast. But if you're only moving 35 or 40, it's not, not as bad. I don't know. I guess you just got to try it and see how it works. If you don't have a lot of spare money, it works pretty good because you don't have to invest a lot. You can't lose a lot either. Yeah, it sounds like it's definitely one of those things that you learn as you go, what works for you and what doesn't because some things work for some farms that won't work for others. Yeah. Well, and partly what changed us, we started out with 50 cows. It worked. It was really easy with 50, and 100 was okay. But now we got to a 300, we had to change because at 300 cows, we didn't have enough pasture, you know. So 
so we just do what we can, but everything changes, I guess. I really appreciate you taking your time. I know how busy farmers are and um, taking your time and sharing with us today about your operation. And I learned a lot. Um, I hope our listeners do as well. And as I said at the beginning, grazing just isn't as popular in Pennsylvania as confinement. And we don't see too many farms that are doing intensive grazing um, here in central Pennsylvania. So I want to thank you again for taking time with us and thank you for our listeners. Uh, Our next podcast series will start on October 5th and we're going to cover value-added dairy. So don't forget to tune into Bovine Banner then. Thank you.